Riley Green is the subject of today's deep dive. We're going to talk about him. Then we're going to talk about a new baseball league that started up as well as the World Series. All today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Friday, October 27th, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked On Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-C-Medical.com. All righty. Well, welcome back, everyone. Hope that you are having a fantastic Friday and have some fun plans for the weekend. So we're going to talk about Riley Green today, and we're only doing one deep dive today because I want to talk about some fun stuff at the end. It's a Friday episode. We got some some news in the baseball world that I think everybody will enjoy. Uh, we're going to talk about a new baseball league that started and, and some former Tigers that are were drafted and are a part of that league. You know, one of the most fun things about being a baseball fan or just a sports fan in general is sitting around with your friends and just throwing a name out there that used to play for some team. And all your friends going, oh, yeah, I remember that person. And then one of your other friends throws out a different player and a different player. And you just sit there and you just talk about old like athletes. That's like one of the greatest and most pure, just simple pleasures and pastimes in sports fandom. So we're going to do that a little bit and talk about some of the cool names that are playing in this new league. And then we're going to talk about the World Series at the end of the episode as well. Got a fun World Series coming up and some national media opinions that uh, I, I want to talk about as well. But we're going to start off by talking about Riley Green. Riley Green in 2023 had a 2.3 F4 that led all non-pitchers on the Detroit Tigers despite only playing in 99 games. He had a 288 average, a 349 OBP, a 447 slug. Uh, he had a 119 WRC plus. That's the second highest on the team, only behind Kerry Carpenter, and an 8.4% walk rate and a 27.4% K rate. What other stats can we throw in here? 11 home runs, 51 runs scored, 37 RBIs, seven steals, uh, 159 ISO for all my isolated slugging percentage fans out there. Um, so this was a good year when he was on the field. And uh, where do we even start? I, I guess we'll start with with that. This was a, a good growth season for Riley Green, right? When you look at his 2022, there was so much hype around this guy. And he, I think I want to say for like a week, it was just like a couple of days. He was the best prospect in baseball. Uh, there was some other prospects in the preseason rankings ahead of him that had just gotten called up and, and had lost their prospect status. And then very shortly after he got called up. So it didn't last long, but like for a week or like maybe even not that long, he was the best prospect in baseball, but he's been the number one prospect in the Tigers organization nearly since he was drafted. So much hype around him. So many people saying that, you know, this guy is, is who this organization really wants to build around and how important he is to the puzzle that is the future 
World Series champion Detroit Tigers. And for him to get hurt, A, we have it on pretty decent account at this point that he would have been on the opening day roster with Torkelson had he not broken his foot in spring training of 2022. But, man, I, it's so crazy. I remember exactly where I was when that happened. Um, that was devastating news to receive. Um, but then when he came back, I mean, he had a 683 OPS. He had a 362 slug in 2022, really struggled with lifting the baseball. That was Riley Green's, the biggest takeaway most people took, rightfully so, from his 2022. Now, 2023, he hit it with a 796 OPS, so just a tick under 800, and he was over 800 for a majority of the season, and then the couple of weeks before the injury in August, he went right back to hitting a ton of ground balls. He had a ton of grounders and not very great numbers in April. Then in May, he was, we talked about it on the show. He started lifting the baseball to the pull side, and he was legitimately one of the best hitters in the entire game of baseball in the month of May. He gets hurt for all of June. He comes back in July, has an OPS of like 950, 940. Like it's still really good. And then August, unfortunately, the last two weeks, especially of August, Went right back to hitting a ton of ground balls, and then he got injured again, and his season would end, uh, I think it was just three games in to the month of September. So the ground ball thing is going to continue to be something that everybody looks at with Riley Green, and again, rightfully so. Uh, in 2022, we had a 56.8% ground ball rate. That is astronomically high. League average in 2023 was 44.6%. Uh, in 2023, his ground ball rate was 48.9%. So while that's still a, a massive improvement from 2022, a massive improvement, it is still significantly lower than, or higher, I should say, than league average, right? I mean, you're talking about like your four and a half-ish, just under four and a half percent more than league average. Um, so that is something that he is going to have to continue to work on because when he was slumping this year, it was because he was hitting a ton of grounders. And when he had an OPS of over a thousand in the month of May and 940 in July, it was because he was lifting the ball to the pull side. Now he has the ability to hit the ball in the air to the opposite field pretty consistently. It's really just the ground balls to second base that should be lifted and put into the gap. That is what a majority of the ground ball issue is. Um, he has a swing where the bat stays in the strike zone for a long time. It can get long at times. Uh, that is all part of the adjustments that he's going to have to make to prevent himself from being this ground ball first type of hitter. And unfortunately, that like again, that's objectively a true statement. In his major league career, 52.8% ground ball rate in uh, both seasons combined. So something he has to continue to work on. He does hit a ton of line drives, and the underlying numbers – are fantastic. And also this is super nitpicky. Like, again, like I, I, I cannot stress this enough. I believe in the ceiling. I believe in the Riley green ceiling. I think he's going to be one of, if not the best player on this team amongst non-pitchers when this team is like really good again and winning the division again, and is playing competitive baseball in October. I, I believe that he is the guy that you are building around and he is a huge piece to the puzzle offensively. So like that's why I'm being so nitpicky about a guy who had an OPS of almost 800 and whose underlying numbers pretty much across the board are like 85th percentile and better 
Expected batting average, 92nd percentile. Expected slug, 87th percentile. Uh, Ex-WOBA, 87th percentile. Average exit velocity, 85th percentile. Hard hit rate, 82nd percentile. Like, he's in the top 15 or 20% in baseball in hitting the ball and hitting the ball hard. And that is vital to being a good hitter in today's day and age of baseball. So the profile is there. This, this, this works. He has the ability. He has the timing. Uh, he he has the the approach, right? This is all great. The the one, and again, I guess I said the one thing, even though I've already talked about something else. One of the other things is going to be his profile at the plate and how often he strikes out. I don't think you are ever going to get a like twenty percent K rate in a season from Riley Green. I don't think we're ever going to come on here after a season in the future. And we're going to go, wow, Riley Green was in the 80th percentile in K-rate, right? He, he struck out in the bottom 20% in all of baseball. I don't think it's going to happen, okay? I think that he is going to always have an above-league average K-rate and always going to have an above-league average swing and miss rate. But that being said, I still think he can be what I think he can be despite that. Maybe even despite's not the right word. Right. Like I think, especially in today's day and age of baseball, you can strike out. And again, this isn't like I'm not trying to to sell you on a guy who strikes out like 45 percent of the time, like Joey Gallo. OK, like I'm, I'm his whiff rate was in the 32nd percentile. His K rate was in the 21st. OK, so but almost bottom fifth, a little bit better even than bottom fifth of the league and striking out in about bottom third of the league, right at the top part of the bottom third of the league in swing and miss rate. That's not catastrophic. His K rate is still under 30% on the season. And I think that I personally will take those strikeout numbers if it, A, just like stay healthy, please, but that's not really correlated. If he is what we saw him do in May and July and, and what his season numbers were. Now, obviously, we we want him at his best. He better be better than a 796 OPS. He's not at his peak. I'm not trying to tell you that either. But that is what, uh, like, I'm okay with the K, maybe a little better, but, like, I'm he's always going to be that. That's just his profile. And I'm telling you that I strongly believe he can still be the best player on this team with a K rate of 27%. 27.5%. That's not catastrophic. Okay, cool. Let's keep the ball rolling. We got some more to talk about with Riley Green. We'll do that right after I tell y'all about our friends over at Jace Medical. There's a lot of uncertainty in the world today, and it's important to be prepared. Uh, the Jace case is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections. You can also customize your case and add life-saving medications based on your unique needs. Jace Medical now offers customability for your Jace case with dozens of add-on medications to choose from, and you can choose the medications that best fit you and your family's unique needs. You can buy a gift card for your family or loved one as well so that they can get a Jace case of their own. Just go to jacemedical.com, enter promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, all one word, at checkout for a $20 discount on your order. That's promo code LOCKEDON at jasemedical.com. Alrighty, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked On Tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in, making us your first listen every day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in. 
every day. We will be back tomorrow. That's a lie. We'll be back on Monday, rather. If there's no news out of the Tigers universe, we don't really expect there to be. Uh, so assuming there isn't, we would just talk about some more players. Uh, and again, if there is news over the weekend, then we will certainly talk about that. So back to Riley Green, uh, we talked about the ground ball rate. We talked about the profile, right, and how he can still be really good, right, with, uh, again, this dude doesn't have a 38% K rate. It's it's 27.5%. That's not that much worse than league average, okay? I But it's something that we, we have to understand when looking at these numbers and why those are lower. The walk rate almost exactly – League average, 49th percentile, 8.4%. I think in a perfect world, I'd like him to walk like over 9%. Um, I think that that's not asking the world. I'm not asking for some crazy double-digit walk rate. I'm not asking him to be, you know, like Juan Soto up there. But uh, I I do think that if you're going to be below average and striking out, uh, I think ideally I, I would want you to be above average in drawing walks. So that's something that I think he can continue to develop. Not really worried about that. Again, he drew walks at a, at a league average clip. Nothing wrong with that at the end of the day. Um, what the Really, the only other thing I want to talk about before we get into the injuries thing is just looking at where he struggles and excels based on pitch that is thrown. So, like, for instance, uh, most variation of fastballs, his numbers are pretty good. Against righties. (laughs) This is where it gets, again, something else that he has to improve in. Uh, When looking at his righty-lefty splits, I guess we can just go straight to that conversation. Against lefties, a 693 OPS against lefties with a 279 batting average. Against righties, a 291 average and an 826 OPS. Now, that's not too much of a difference in the batting average department. In the on-base percentage department, it's a 20-point difference. So why is there an 140, 30 point difference in OPS? Well, for those who know what OPS stands for, obviously, if it's only 20 points difference in in OBP, that means that a majority of the difference there is in the slugging percentage. Riley Green has not hit a home run off of a left-handed hitter yet, hitter, pitcher, yet in his major league career. Not only... Did he have zero home runs against lefties in 2023? He also had zero home runs against lefties in 2022. This is a guy who in the minors at certain stages and at certain points in his minor league career was a reverse split guy. He was better against lefties, right? Now, he's proven that he can hit righties well. He's proven that he can lift the ball against righties well. Again, all of his major league homers are uh, against righties. But it's very important that if he is that guy that is going to be a prominent established fixture in the heart of this Tigers lineup for years to come when we are playing competitive baseball late in the season, that he has power against lefties. Now, again, 279 average, 333 on base percentage against lefties. He's not useless up there, okay? This isn't a guy who who you should like be benching against lefties. It's just power. It's just the power against lefties hasn't come along yet. And part of the reason for that is because he struggles with fastballs against lefties. He destroys fastballs against righties, okay? His numbers against the four-seam fastball against lefty pitchers in 2023 was a 188 batting average against and a 250 slug with only three extra base hits. Obviously, none of them homers. You need 
you need to be able to hit fastballs against lefties. Now, the good news, a lot of people that struggle against lefties when they are a lefty hitter struggle with the breaking ball low and away. While Riley Green certainly still does swing at a lot of sliders low and away from lefties and, and curveballs low and sweepers, especially low and away from uh, from lefties, he is hitting 276 with a 414 slug and some extra base hits against lefties, against sliders from lefties. Okay, so it's not like it's not like this dude's going up there again. I'm just reiterating, like the batting average was high. Like he he is putting the bat on the ball. He's still swinging and missing his normal amount. His his whiff rate against sliders that are thrown from lefties is 38.3%. That is very high. So he still has some swing and miss stuff to work on, but that's not a, a terrible batting average. It's just there's no power there. So and there's, you know, there's an old adage with scouts that the power is usually the last thing to develop with a lot of hitters. Maybe his is is broken up into four parts. It's contact against righties, power against righties, contact against lefties, power against lefties. And the power against lefties is the last thing to develop. Now, we haven't seen him on the field as much as we'd like to. So hopefully 2024, despite having to come back from Tommy John, uh, hopefully that's his next step. That's like the two biggest things I'm looking for is can he hit fastballs against lefties better so that his power numbers against lefties go up more? And then obviously just lifting the ball to the pull side in general. Now, I know we spent most of this episode talking about things that he needs to improve on. Um, I just want to reiterate. I said this late earlier in the show, but I'm going to say it again because I think it's important to make sure that it's very clear. I am being very, very nitpicky with Riley Green because I think he can be the future of this franchise. I think he can be the guy that we build around. I think he can be the best player on a team that goes deep into October in the city of Detroit. This is a very talented baseball player that is a gym rat that wants to continue to get better. He improved exponentially just from his age 21 to 22 season, despite a broken foot, a Tommy John injury, and a, a, a hairline fracture or a stress fracture. Okay. This guy is very, very good at his job at a very young age. And we should all be unbelievably excited about what the future of Riley Green can bring. The only other thing I'd throw in there, get better with runners in scoring position. You're a heart of the lineup bat, brother. You gotta, you gotta buckle that down. Okay, you had an OPS in the 600s with runners in scoring position, but that will kind of come, I think, with the rest of the territory. So I, I didn't just want to make it sound like I'm just only pointing out the negatives with Green, and it's like, oh wow, this guy's not that good. No, this guy's incredible. He's your best player. Uh, that especially if you eliminate pitchers, he is like it's not even close. He's your best player. Okay, now the last conversation I have with Green is injuries. I don't, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> As I say all the time, not a doctor. Okay. I don't know if he's just quote unquote injury prone. People ask me that all the time. Oh, can we give Riley Green the, the, the title of injury prone? I, I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know how that works. I, I also like, what does that even mean? Like he, he just gets hurt a lot, I guess. Like so far in his major league career, he has three serious injuries in two seasons. Like, I, I, I guess so. But like, I, I don't know if that's going to prevent him from staying healthy in 2024 and beyond. 
I, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I do think the move to left field helps. Uh, do you want to sit him down? This is a question I genuinely have for y'all. Do you really want to sit him down and be like, hey, man, don't dive anymore? Like, don't lay out for fly balls anymore. Don't run into the walls anymore. Don't don't go 100% in left field anymore. I don't think this organization wants to tell them that. And maybe you're like, yes, I do. Maybe you're listening to this and you're like, yes, idiot. I want him to stay healthy. Yes, I would tell him that in a heartbeat. To each their own, man. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to, you know, point you in a direction to, to make you believe a certain thing. If that, you know, I, I don't know which way is right or wrong. I just have a hard time believing a major league organization is going to be like, hey, maybe ease up a little bit and we're moving into the corner. He was a plus defender in left field, by the way. He was not a plus defender in center or right. I think, and most of this, my comfortability with moving him to left field has to do with how good I think Parker Meadows is as well. I think he's an elite defensive center fielder. So you have a pretty darn good outfield defense next year on opening day if you're rolling in with Riley Green and Parker Meadows. And Riley's going to get some work at DH as well while he you know, continues to recover from uh, from the Tommy John surgery. But it's in his, non, his non-throwing arm, which helps as well. I just like one of the injuries was a foul ball off his foot. The other one was a Tommy John off contact on a dive. Like it's hard for me to look at that and be like, like the shins, the the stress fracture one, maybe that's like injury prone ish. But the other two, I just kind of look at as like fluke things. We'll see. I, I don't give anyone that title really ever, but like, especially not just two years into their career. But I think the move to left helps. I think it puts less pressure on his legs that you're trying to preserve. And I think that the Tigers are honestly, this is something that, uh, you know, on this show, I got a lot of heat for in like a year and a half ago for saying long-term Riley Green's not the center fielder of this team. And now like, here we are. And and mine was never injury-based. It was just like, yeah, he's good at center field. I think he could be great at left if the Tigers got an elite center fielder. And now very much tripped and fell into that with the assurgence of Parker Meadows. So I'm really excited about green in 2024. I'm really excited about how the outfield looks in 2024. Please just stay healthy. Let's talk about some fun stuff. All right. We'll do that right after I tell y'all about our friends over at Ibotta. Turkey is great, but we all know the best part of Thanksgiving dinner is the sides. With Ibotta, you can make sure you get the whole family's favorite side dishes and the turkey, all while getting yourself cash back. Starting on November 1st for the fourth time in a row, Ibotta is giving 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving feast. You can just add offers to the app and redeem for everything you need to make your Thanksgiving feast complete. All you have to do is shop at your favorite retailers and upload your receipt. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much, and but with Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash out in your bank account, PayPal, gift cards, etc. All right, so download the Ibotta app and use code MLB to get 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving dinner starting on November 1st. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code MLB. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use code MLB. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Third and final segment of Locked on Tigers. Appreciate y'all for tuning in. So uh, we're actually going to start with the World Series conversation here, and then we'll end with the Baseball United League. Uh, just because the Baseball League, like we can kind of end that whenever we want, but the World Series, like I, I want to talk about what the media is talking about here. Um, I'll c- try to keep this brief. 
there's a lot of talk about like the playoff format and whatnot. And I have been asked uh, of at length a numerous amount of times um, by a lot of y'all about my opinion of the MLB format and the playoff format and whatnot and uh, kind of where I stand on the issue. I think the best way I've come up with wording it in conversations I've had with family and friends about it is that, yes, the MLB postseason is, does have an element of randomness to it. Yes, it does. But it always has. Okay, so if it, I, I don't believe that the current format is making it any more or less of a quote-unquote, like having that quote-unquote randomness factor to it. In, in 2001, I was, I was a toddler. Okay. So genuinely tell me, this is a, a real question. It's not, um, it, it's not hypothetical. In 2001, when the Mariners got bounced in the first round after winning the most games any team has ever won since or before in a regular season, they lost in the ALDS where people going around complaining about the MLB format because the division series was still relatively new to that point. Again, you tell me in 2006, when your Detroit Tigers made the world series as a wild card team and the St. Louis Cardinals who won what 84 games, 83 games in one of the worst divisions ever, which was the 2006 national league central division. And then the Cardinals won the world series were people complaining about the MLB playoff format. All I'm saying is it's always been random. This new format has not changed that. And I don't even like using the word random. I'm just using that because that's what the national media is saying. Right? I don't like using random. These guys dedicate their entire lives to this. It's not just like, oh, if I walked out there and played right field for the Diamondbacks, they still would have made the World Series. No. Right? Like these are very talented individuals. I think random is a disservice to all the work and talent that they have put in and that they have. But because that's the term that everyone else is using, um, that's what I'm going to use. At the end of the day, this is an imperfect system. Playoffs are an imperfect system to a, a the longest regular season in sport, right? 162-game season. Uh, Sparky Anderson used to say it all the time. The best team in baseball is the team that has the most wins after 162. Sparky was very, very open about feeling that way, right? Because that's the biggest sample size. Guess what, man? The Oakland A's are terrible. They still won over 40 times. Like that's something so unique to baseball. On any given day, someone's going to win. And the team, the, uh, Lou Pinella had an old adage as well. Um, I think it was Lou Pinella. I think it was. Regardless, it was it was either Lupinella or Tommy Lasorda. It might have been both of them, honestly, at different points. But it was one of those two. Used to say every team in the league is gonna is gonna win a third of their games, is gonna lose a third of their games, and what separates the rest of the league is what you do in the final third. Now, obviously, you have some historically bad teams that win forty games. Shout out the Detroit Tigers twice in my lifetime, but like. That, th those guys again, still forty times. You're gonna you're gonna go home at night and win. Like, th so my my point is, sample size matters. 
That's how it was ADD rabbit hole there, but that's how I'm tying this all together. A three game series, a five game series, a seven game series in October is obviously you're going to have a much bigger chance of just taking a weekend set against someone that might be better than you. That's just how the playoffs have always worked. So I, I, and like, then there's the, you know, there's the argument, like the Astros have made the ALCS seven years in a row. It's not really that random to them. Like it's, it's a, it's a different game. To get through 162, you need seven or eight starting pitchers, right? You need two really good starting pitchers to make it through October. You can get through October with two, two and a half, like three pitchers. You're going to win a World Series off the back of that. So that is where I stand on the whole matter is, is it's not any more random quote-unquote or not than it ever has been. They just added another round. I don't know. I love it. I think this World Series is going to be fantastic as well. Uh, Rangers versus Diamondbacks. I'm pumped. I'm really pumped. Uh, I'll be rooting for the Diamondbacks, but um, I'm really just rooting for good baseball. I don't have too much of a fight in uh in this series in either of these teams um i'm just hoping for a good close series um the rangers have some really really fun players you talk about somebody who's on top of the world right now adolis garcia might be the baddest dude on the planet uh in the best possible way he is must watch tv currently i can't wait to keep watching him out there uh the diamondbacks have some dogs right? That's really just a roster full of dogs, man. It really is. Uh, they're still such a young team too. Like, you know, this is really a statement year for them. They're, like they're not going anywhere. It'll be a fun series. I'm hoping it'll be a fun series. I really do. Two teams that also haven't won a world series in a while. Obviously the diamondbacks last one was 2001. And I don't believe the Rangers have ever won the world series off the top of my head. Yeah. So this is a fun one. This is a fun one. Two teams that were also really bad just two years ago. One was more homegrown, you know, trust the process type of building. One was go out and spend half a billion dollars. Both the same in October, baby. I love baseball. Maybe that's just the other thing. I just love this sport too much. I'm not going to be like some people like, oh, this is the worst World Series ever. Like, I don't think any World Series is the worst World Series ever. I just want to watch baseball, baby. Um, okay. Uh, we don't really have time. I don't want to make this a 40 minute episode for the baseball United thing. So we'll push that. Maybe we can talk about that on Monday, have a little bit of a, of a fun conversation on the Monday show. Um, we have some time still until after the world series ends when, uh, we're really going to have to hit the ground running and start talking about tigers off season stuff in full force. So we'll have plenty of time to get to it. Um, but for now that is the end of the discussion. All right. Because there's some Stephen Moyes in this league. He got drafted number two overall. Robinson Cano, uh, Pablo Sandoval. You want to talk about Tigers World Series, still hurting. Um, yeah, there's some fun names in it. So we'll talk about that down the road here. Thank you for making us your first listen every day. I appreciate you all greatly. Uh, we'll be back on Monday, baby. All right. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. I'll catch you. Oh, was there something else? I feel like, 
Oh, in regards to gas, I did want to end on this actually. That was a nice pump fake there. That was really close to the end of the show. Um, as far as the Matt Manning trade thing goes, I had a couple people reach out to me and um, I, I didn't want it to come across as, and I feel like it might have, and that's my fault if it did completely. I didn't want it to come across as like I'm pounding my fist on the table. Like we absolutely need to trade Matt Manning. And I think I said in there, I think that I still think there's an over 50% chance he doesn't get moved. And I think I also said that the Tigers might still like, they are the team that can fix his development. We obviously have a fantastic coaching staff. Um, But amongst trade pieces on the roster, I just feel like him and Badu and, and honestly, are probably the two most likely to get flipped. That's all I was really trying to say. I, I had like multiple people that were like, yeah, a little too preachy, you know, maybe it sounded a little bit too much. Like I was uh, like, I was like, Hey, we really need to, I'll say it. I've said it before. And I, I'll say it again. Um, the thing that I love so much about this, this, this forum in this platform. And one of the things I love so much about sports in the game of baseball in general is that there is an infinite amount of ways to build a contender. If there was only one way to do it, then everyone would just do that and everyone would get their chance in the sun. But there's not. There's an infinite amount of ways to build a World Series winning roster and there's an infinite amount of ways to be bad and and tear apart and lose games as well. And so there's a couple of paths where the Tigers are really good and keep Manning on the roster, right? He develops, he turns into, he reaches that ceiling that we all thought he once had. And there's certainly paths to contention without Matt Manning on the roster. He gets traded for a piece that ends up being a a really important bat. He only tops out as like a middle of the rotation arm, et cetera, et cetera. So I just had enough different people reach out to me and be like, "Eh, it sounded like you really want to trade him. And I was like, "Ah, it wasn't really the vibe I was going for. I was kind of just trying to assess like asset management, but um So yeah, just wanted to clear the air there a little bit. Okay, now I'm out of here. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. Have a great weekend. I'll catch y'all on Monday, baby. Go Tigers.